This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to the Ringer F1 show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Megan Schuster. I will be your host today, and we are here to dig into the results of an extremely damp, extremely unpredictable Dutch Grand Prix. Max Verstappen wins his third straight home race and ninth straight Grand Prix, tying Sebastian Vettel's record for most consecutive victories. Fernando Alonso comes in second, and Pierre Gasly rounds out the podium after a Checo penalty. The rest of the top 10 is Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton, Lando Norris, Alex Albon, Oscar Piastri, and Esteban Ocon. There's lots to dig dig into from this race. Also lots to dig into from the weekend as a whole with Daniel Ricciardo's accident, Liam Lawson's debut, multiple drivers sitting in deck chairs by the side of the track after accidents. Here to discuss it all with me is Spanners Ready. Spanners, did you feel right at home seeing all the rain at Zandvoort this weekend? Yes, that's right. Uh, us Brits, when we go abroad, we take our own personal cloud with us. If it ever gets <laughs> too sunny, we just switch that on and we're reminded of home. Uh, but firstly, thank goodness we're back. I had to spend an awful lot of time with my family over the summer. So mm. it's great to be back here with you discussing Formula <laughs> One. And I'm just so glad that there was an entertaining race with a mixed up conditions. Just, I think, the right amount of rain to make it interesting. Because as a as a viewer of Formula One for the past 30 odd years or whatever. I'm I'm used to the odd dull season and the a bit of domination from from one driver. But I was starting to feel like I know this is really odd, but I, I sort of started to feel like we were letting down the newer fans that have come in the last <laughs> few years because they've not kind of been sold on that. And it's like I've mm-hmm. convinced everyone to go out in Norwich because I had a good night out in Norwich once. And they're like, but no one else is out. And I'm like, yeah, this is kind of what Norwich is normally like. Yeah, but the first bar was kicking off and everyone's now looking at me going, oh, I wish we'd stayed at home and had a curry. So thank goodness, you know, we walked into the Zandvoort bar and my goodness was Zandvoort like a, like a nightclub. And there mm-hmm. was just genuinely something really meaty to get excited about. And it was, yes, it's a bit of chaos. It's not, you know, going to fix the problems of the Formula One season overnight, 
But that was just such a good show. It was such a good bit of telly. It was great. And my first thought after the race was, should we just make all the races near the sea? Because all of that unpredictable weather from Saturday qualifying through into, you know, from lap one on today, it was, you know, rain dry and then, oh, maybe rain is coming and then it's not. And then it's going to be a deluge, actually. And we're going to have to put on full wet tires before a red red flag. Um, So let's start with the rain today and and all the varying strategy decisions, because I think there's a lot to dig into, both from the first bout of rain and the second. The rain started almost immediately after lights out. A few drivers and teams seemed to make the right decision to pit for inters on the first lap. Sergio Perez being the shining example, also Pierre Gasly, Joe Guan Yu, Kevin Magnuson, they all pitted right away. And Checo on the interns, inters at one point, they said on the broadcast, was seven seconds up on everyone else on the track just through the middle sector. So he was like slingshotting past dudes on the slick tires. And it, it really seemed like like the right call. Even Max Verstappen pitting uh, going into lap three, I believe it was, yeah. was definitely a lap too late. And then, yeah, a few teams seem to make pretty tragic decisions, Mercedes being one of them, keeping Ouch. their drivers out, both of them too long. Lando Norris has stayed out too long, and Williams never pitted either of their drivers for <laughs> inters, which was a really, really fascinating decision that we can discuss, and Alex Albon seemed to kind of make up for it in the end. But what did you make of those opening calls and, and all of the strategy behind that? Just beautiful though, isn't it? Just beautiful to like see that conundrum and be armchair strategists. So mm-hmm. I'm sure there was loads of people screaming at the TV and making their own calls. I think that the tricky one was how long is this rain going to last? But yes, uh, I, I forget this. It's a sort of famous quote in, in racing. You know, I, I think it was Martin Brundle says it quite a lot. Always be on the right tire at the right time. So like, don't mm. try and be too fancy. Don't be looking like five, six laps ahead because if you're on dry tires in the wet, you could go off and you're going to lose your seven seconds a lap, like the cars that stayed out. And and if you go, you know, you try and predict rain and you get onto a rain tire and you're going around in the dry waiting for rain to come. And, you know, the keep it simple, stupid, the KISS method is mm-hmm. just be on the right. right tire for the conditions. And it was clearly very heavy rain. So I think I think the gamble was from the cars who decided that it was going to clear up. And and mm-hmm. then and then dry quickly enough that being on slicks wasn't a problem. So you had three basic camps. You had the yep, let's roll the dice, let's go. Uh, you had the ones who were like, no, we're going to completely tough this out. And then you had the the ones in between who went, we're going to tough this out. No, no, we we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> so changing uh, our <laughs> minds very quickly. If you look at the the non Verstappen race, the Alonso won the non Verstappen race, and then mm-hmm. Gasly came second, Perez third. You know, these are the drivers that took that early decision. So yeah, we were, I mean, in, in certainly in my chats and our, our, our missed apex slack group, there was, everyone was shouting, why on earth didn't Lewis Hamilton come in and pit when you're out of position, you're mm-hmm. on a hard tire and you have the, op- the opportunity to see what the cars in front are doing. He probably out of all the top runners had the most golden opportunity to, to make that dice roll. But it's a criticism that I've always had with Mercedes is whenever it comes to safety car pit stop calls, should we pit now? When it or, or it comes to these changeable conditions, they're they're not very proactive. You know, they're quite mm. reactive, and so you kind of you knew they weren't going to roll the dice and go, let's go for it. And I don't know whether that's because they're making a decision with a certain amount of fear because there'd be more to lose had that decision been wrong. I don't know. But yeah, they never seem to make that decision. But from 13th, 
it felt like ah, everyone in the world was screaming, get, get Lewis in, get him off those mediums, for one thing. Mm-hmm. This was a question I was going to ask you later on in a, in a Mercedes discussion, but I want to ask it now. Do you think that they are still operating and thinking as if they are like the top team on the grid? And I say that just with, you know, you saying that they're sort of reactive and don't want to really make a big risk. Is that sort of thinking from when they had the lead and and had extra time and didn't really have to be that proactive team, whereas now they're a bit more in the midfield and they should be kind of taking those chances with at least one of the cars and especially with Lewis out of position like that. Yeah, because for, you know, the last eight years, they were in front and they were in the position that Verstappen was in. Whereas if something, if it's not quite the right call, we can make it up. But if we make the Mm -hmm. disastrous call, you know, we're throwing away what should have been, you know, an easy victory. But there's just something not quite clicking with the Mercedes strategy. And to the point, and I'm, I'm, I'm being harder on them because I like them. And I'm a Lewis Hamilton fan and a Mercedes fan. But you know, in sports teams, you're always mm-hmm. harder on the teams you support. Uh, but yeah. it's, it, it's gotten to the point now that when I saw them go on the grid with mediums and everyone else on softs, I immediately in my head said, well, the mediums, that's not going to be the right, that's not going to be the right call. Because, mm-hmm. you know, and I've, I've just gotten used to it. You know, when, when they flip when others are flopping you go ah oh, they they probably should have flopped and i think this track <laughs> showed that you know you wanted to be on the softest tire possible all day and and i don't don't think anyone did well plonking on a hard uh, russell briefly in the middle of the stint it looked like the hard might pay off but then he just got chewed up by by the cars behind and even i can't remember even one of the midfield teams on a long medium stint um it might have been one you joe just just wasn't feeling it so you wanted to be as soft as possible so they got that wrong from 13th, you're on a hiding to nothing. You, you, you make that call and you, and you bring him in. And, and had they done that, you think, well, that is definitely going to have been a, a podium for Lewis Hamilton today. With George Russell, they left him out even longer. So I think Hamilton pushed yep. the issue in the end and said, no, come on, we're, we're on the wrong tyre. Whatever you think mm-hmm. is happening, we're on the wrong tyre right now. And Russell wanted to brave it out, brave it out. And I think out of the cars that, that braved it out, only Albon made that kind of semi-work by doing an ultra-long long stint. Yeah, but it's easy from the armchair. What you have to remember is that it started chucking it down like nearly immediately on that lap, didn't it? Yes. So they're having, yes. they're having a, a minute or so on a short lap to make that decision. How long is this rain going to last? How will our tyres react to the rain falling down? And what are our competitors going to do? I mean, it was brilliant, though. <laughs> it was brilliant to watch. Speaking of a minute or so to make a decision... Let's talk a little bit about Ferrari and and Charles Leclerc coming in seemingly of his own volition and the tires not being anywhere close to being ready for him and the mechanics not being out there yet. He spoke to Sky after the race, after his car had to be eventually retired and said that he would he would do it all over again, that he felt like taking an extra lap on the slicks would have damaged their time way more than waiting for the mechanics. And, And I actually agree with him. But that seemed to be the case with Yuki Sonoda, too, in the Alpha Tauri garage where his tires just weren't ready yet. And it was just kind of a mess. And then we got to the change back to dry tires around lap 11 and some Red Bull drama where Max seemed to get the preferential treatment there undercutting Checo when Checo was in the lead and would normally get first choice of strategy decisions. Red Bull kind of tried to justify this later to Bernie Collins on Sky Sports when they said they were trying to hold off Fernando Alonso, who was about, I believe, eight seconds behind Max at the time and 
was lapping fairly quickly, but I don't think quickly enough that that was actually going to be a real thing. No. Um, and then we got the very sad Ser- Sergio Perez radio <laughs> message saying, wait, what happened? Did Max undercut us? Which is always so tragic just to hear the the constant disappointment and yeah, just, just sadness in his voice. I hate to hear it. What, what did you make of all of that? So to defend Red Bull slightly, you, you, they definitely deliberately did that to swap the positions as painlessly as possible. And yeah, then what they did is they came out on national TV and lied about it. So <laughs> that's that. But also that, that makes sense too. They had yep. a, a golden opportunity there as the crossover was coming to get Verstappen ahead of Perez and just get that over with. Because what's the, what's the point in putting themselves through the drama of Perez going, oh, I'll have a cheeky little defend here where, mm-hmm. where you know, it's still wet offline. He's not in the championship hunt. They're at Zandvoort. They're literally in Holland. They're in the Netherlands with a, you know, a home crowd. And he's going for the, the record streak of nine wins in a row matching Sebastian Vettel. So look, this is a team that's very invested in the Max Verstappen victory. Perez is, um, is an afterthought at this point. He's just fighting for his own place. So I don't blame them at all for that. Yeah, they had a golden opportunity to get him out of the way. The fact that people are still clinging on going, well, Perez should have had a fair shot and he's the one who should have <laughs> gotten to pit first when he was basically three seconds a lap slower, I think, at that point in the Inters. I mean, mm-hmm. he had a 14-second lead once Verstappen came out of the pit stops. And when it got to that point, I think it had closed down to like two or three seconds. So, yeah, obviously, that's a no-brainer. And I'm a Perez fan, but he's not a factor in this equation. I appreciated the commentators making a stink about it as if this was... A, an actual surprise and, and not that. something that we that we <laughs> could have so scripted from from the first race of the season. It's always fun to discuss, but I think you're right. I mean, Max was always going to pass Checo. We've seen that proven a number of times this year to the point that there's there's really no point in in acting like it's it's going to be a race farther down the line. You might as well just yeah get out ahead of it. It yeah. was a a like not a believable lie but it was close enough where you could you can throw it out there on national mm. tv and have some people <laughs> potentially buy into it and say oh well you know maybe they were actually looking at fernando alonso but look i'm i'm not i'm not sitting here clutching my pearls going i can't believe they would lie on television <laughs> like that's that's the game that's part of sport you don't need right. to give away every little thing you're doing for example james vowels I, I think, I suspect, has done a nice little bit of top cover for his driver, Logan Sargent, who, who mm. binned it in Q3 into the yep. wall. Has been crashing a lot. Sorry, America. Yep. He seems like a very nice young man. But he's crashing an awful lot. And mm-hmm. also, well, that's my perception, is whenever I hear, I don't hear about him until he's, he's in a wall or he's, he's spun. So, yeah, yeah he, he crashes, I think, on turn eight, where Leclerc cr- crashed during qualifying. And uh, and it, it was a funny little thing. It looked like he just got his wheel on the curb and it, and it spun around and it hit the wall. And James Valser said, oh, well, that was um, a loss of hydraulic pressure. And, it, you know, something went wrong. And you go, okay, I can buy hmm. that. I would buy that, right. I would buy that more if it wasn't a driver who was in the wall every five minutes anyway. But mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. would be good management as well. Let, let's say there wasn't any failure and, and he, he's just put a wheel on the grass and he's binned it. I think it's very good management in that scenario to go, actually, we did have a little bit of um, an issue there. I know he has been crashing on his own with no failures an awful lot on this <laughs> occasion. It, uh, you know, that to me is, you know, top cover. And that, that's what you want your, your officers to do for your troops. Keep it in-house, have that discussion yes. in-house. But yes. I'm happy to take it on faith. 
hydraulic pressure, uh, hydraulic pressure failure. And, and let's say it definitely was that, then it's good for James Vowles to really come out and make sure that his driver's mm-hmm. defended. As someone who was very thrilled to see Logan Sargent make his first Q3 this weekend and the first American Q3 since Michael Andretti in 1993. I would love to believe that. <laughs> no, no. I, I would love to believe it was the car's fault and I will go on believing it was the car's fault. I'll tell you what, going forward though, if he's got any chance of being here next season, which I don't think he has, he just needs to keep it out the wall at the very least. That's That was the thing. And I want to talk about this with you too, is it, it's one thing to not be getting points and not be getting results. And I feel like it's another thing to be crashing the car twice in one weekend and costing your team tons of money and manpower in repairs that uh, they would rather be spending money on future development and other things. So that's, yeah, it's it's a difficult thing to square, a difficult, and, and it's a really bummer of a weekend when it seemed like he had decent pace through practices and especially in yeah. qualifying too. It looked like both Williams were just incredible on that this weekend. And Albon obviously didn't finish in fourth, but he qualified in fourth, which was thrilling. So, oh, good. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're dwelling on Williams for a bit. Good. Yeah, yes. let's do it. I, I yeah, I, I, I love, love it. I love Williams. I love Williams so much. Red Mansell, Red Five, uh, David Coulthard, you know, um, Ayrton Senna, Damon Hill. Like they've got such a rich <laughs> heritage. It's been really, really, really difficult. There must be an equivalent team in NFL or your version of cricket, you know, where it was like a former real great and then they're just floundering around the bottom of the franchise. And it can be really painful to see. And they've been stuck there a long time. Now, there's definitely been a step forward and an improvement. As in now, I think we would look at Williams and go, "They, they are one of the best outfits, as in doing the best with what they have when they turn up. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're ahead of the, the Ferrari customers. I think they're probably, you'd say they're ahead of the, the Alpha Tauris. So that, that puts them, what, yes. seventh? I'm, I'm bad at counting. They're probably the yeah. seventh best team at the moment, bottom yeah. of the midfield, which is a massive, massive step up. And I do wonder whether James Vowles has gone in there and just, and just cleaned up the low-hanging fruit because it's, it's a quick mm-hmm. change over time. And, and you have to go, well, is this improvement then due to the previous management and he's just taking all the glory? I don't think so because we didn't seem to see anything emerging from no. that management. There was nothing brewing. And then James Vowles came, comes in there and is pretty honest about what he's seen, the equipment's out of date, the procedures are out of date, that floor looks fully basic. And so I, I wonder whether that he's just gone in there and kind of cleaned and tidied things up and made them a, a slicker operation. And my evidence for that is their qualifying performance on Saturday. Everything was, mm-hmm. was right, apart from dropping, uh, dropping uh, Sergeant in the wall in Q3. But all their time, their runs were timed perfectly. They were in the correct yes. order as they were going around in sync with people. At no point did they actually look in danger of dropping out at all. Because they, mm-hmm. you know, they were avoiding traffic. They were making sure they were on the right tire with the right power mode, timing their final runs nearly to perfection, because they had could have yeah. had they could have had P3 in qualifying. But everything else, like you compare that to Mercedes, where Lewis Hamilton was impeded on no more than th- three separate occasions, Sonoda, <laughs> Alonso, Stroll, I think. And, and, and that nearly put him out in Q3, in Q1, and, and then did put them out in Q2. Operationally, Williams did not put a foot wrong. That car wasn't quick enough to be P4, but they, they just made it so. So that this does give you a bit of hope. Like, okay, is, have they made a step for, forward in the car? You would hope so. But it just seems like they're doing everything right. And that, that gives you hope going forward. 
you know, what would you rather? They get some big names in, have a cash injection, or would you rather the culture of the team is changing and they just become operationally perfect? Yeah, I mean, Val certainly seems like he's come in and just been sort of the steadying presence that they've needed, the adult in the room to, you know, like, like manage his drivers well and cover for them when necessary and just to like calm everything down and steady everything. And they've also been benefited by a pretty ridiculous season from Alex Albon so far. He's got 15 points, I believe, on the season, which puts him ahead of everyone in, you know, the Haases, the Alfa Romeos, the Alfa Tauris, the other Williams driver. You know, he's currently behind Oscar Piastri in the standings, getting absolutely everything out of that car that you could expect. If he finished P8 today after, you know, sort of those questionable strategy decisions and but even that, I felt like he got everything out of it that he could after staying out for so long. On I think he he did what over forty laps on the soft tires. Yeah. Oh, I love it. All this chaos going on around him, people like pitting for intermediates, then back onto yeah. drives. All the undercut drama, and like Albon's just like trucking along on his softs. Like Albon, do you want to explain mm-hmm. what was going on then? Nope, nope. Just going <laughs> about my business. So you need to, to, a driver to to drive a team forward like that, and he looks like a long term solution for Williams. And we haven't really gotten a good handle of just how good is Alex Albon. You put him up against Verstappen into that machine, and that has seemed mm-hmm. to be like a you know a driver killing machine putting you up against right. Verstappen at Red Bull. So I don't think many drivers have a chance in that second seat at all. And uh, so he's, he's ended up at Williams, and it's, it's looking good. But this is the problem when you go to the the back of the grid teams is they're also looking for budget. So no disrespect to Logan Sargent, but imagine you had two Albons in there at the moment. Right. Or, or look at it the other way. Look at Williams when they had Stroll and Sorokin, and they were never getting out of Q1. And you have to wonder, mm-hmm. well, what if they had Albon and Gasly in there? You know, the, that, that car yeah. that looked so bad might be looking like this. So you might have a team that's going operationally very well and a driver who's growing into himself and d- delivering what a top driver should deliver. And it might just be something that you know, that has been, you know, missing a little bit throughout Williams history. So yeah, that's, that's what I reckon. Get two Albons in there and then let's see how that team can really, really go. There you go. We just have to get a little bit ahead on the whole cloning strategy science yes. and then we'll be, we'll be in it. It'll be great. Let's talk very quickly about the second bout of rain that we got because this messed with everyone once again. Everyone except, I believe, Esteban Ocon went out on inters or changed over to inters Ocon went out on the wets immediately complained to to Alpine that it was the wrong decision even though it was definitely the right decision as Verstappen came in and changed back to wets very quickly um Red Bull also brought Checo back in but this was right around the time when there was consideration about a red flag Zhou Guan Yu had just gone off at turn one and was going to have to have his car be evacuated and it was just dumping rain they ultimately red flagged the race and you and I had a discussion offline about this, and we got a couple of questions on Twitter about this too, about wet tires and sort of at this stage in Formula One, what is the point of wet tires? Because it feels like anytime there is a chance that a car would need to put wet tires on, we are getting a red flag or a safety car or, or some sort of stop. overarching yeah. safety start where it just makes the whole point of wet tires moot. It does. Yeah. And so like if it's wet conditions, they don't start or they go around right. behind the safety car, like in 21, where they just go around the safety car for, for yep. two laps and go, now nah, we can't, we can't get going and it will go mm-hmm. back in. So I know, can I defend 
the wet tyre slightly. What if yeah. Sonoda and Joe don't go off on turn one and the cars keep circulating? What if no one crashes? I think then they let that go a little bit longer and they let everybody get onto the wet tyres and go back out racing. But I think the window for mm-hmm. the gap between the amount of rain where the wet tyre is effective and the amount of rain that causes a red flag is way too narrow. And I think right. I think there's conversations, certainly that I've heard, uh, where that's being looked into. And nearly everyone now is calling for an intermediate, intermediate, you know, something, something, <laughs> something in between. Uh, I think if they sort the spray out, oh my goodness. So some of the racing in the wet, especially around Zandvoort, especially with um, some of the helicopter shots, it just, it looked spectacular. I don't know what they were mm-hmm. doing with the camera work this week, but it was head and shoulders better than anything I've seen all season. And it looked so dramatic and, and glorious watching them going up and down those dunes. Uh, but the spray and the, the, the visibility was so poor. You just go, well, I'm glad I'm just, I'm glad I'm just watching it rather than <laughs> right, having right. To, to do anything about it. So I think they're going to look into that. They've been, you know, they've been testing these rain flaps, but apparently the, mm. the rain guard test at Silverstone didn't go very well. So mm. there's, they seem to be looking at these, these solutions. But yeah, in a, in a sport where rain used to get everyone rubbing their hands together, going, oh, here we go. This is going to be great. It's now turned into cricket. Where or base? Do they do that in baseball? Does it get rained off? Yes, it yeah. does. It does. Yeah, and then you just yeah. sat in, sat in the stands with a beer, waiting in your chips, just waiting for the, yep. for the rain to clear. Watch watch the tarp come out over the field and then get rolled back off of the field. It's yeah, yeah it's a one, very entertaining process. One of the best days I've ever had has been at Edgbaston Cricket Ground, watching England versus the West Indies. Never saw a bowl bowled, but uh, what a day! <laughs> what a day that was. It was really good. And of course, down at the county ground, watching Essex, and that was part of it. You you go down to the ground knowing that you might not see you might not see any action. But we don't want Formula One going down that road. So I hope they find a solution to this because, you know, a track like Zambor, it's it's a very 80s track. Had that been bone dry, I think we would have been looking at a pretty dull race mm-hmm. in, in general. Mm-hmm. It's not a track that they've, they've, bless them, they've done their best with the banking. The banking looks spectacular. It Turn does. three, it's probably one of the best corners on the calendar at the moment. Really cool. And then the banking effectively in 13, 14, is increasing the straight effectively to try and help overtaking. But man, this this amount of rain really, really brought the the track to life. So I think we need to engineer this. I don't know if you've got the power to sort this at the ringer, but let's have rain at the traditional circuits and let's not have rain at the Tilkadromes. What if we just find a way to like hose down certain sections of the track while cars are like in between cars coming through and you never know <laughs> Which section is going to have water? Which is going to dry out? Just, well, that was just Bernie, throwing it out there a couple Bernie of times. Bernie Ecclestone, uh, who used to be basically the equivalent of Liberty, Liberty Media he, with his company CBC, he did say, you know, why don't we just have sprinklers? And, and it was largely mocked. But there is one racetrack uh, in recent F1 calendar that has sprinklers that can make the track wet. Do you know which one that was? No, ah, it's Paul Ricard, which is a, a test track. Oh. So the French, French, the, the French Grand Prix. Yeah, so they can turn sprinklers on and, and do wet weather testing and stuff like that. I, 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 it will never happen because everyone will, will say it's gimmicky, which is ridiculous yep. in a sport which is completely made up. Like the whole <laughs> thing, all of motorsport is a massive engineering gimmick. It's not, there's no naturally occurring, you know, we haven't bred single seaters <laughs> on a farm. These aren't free range single seaters. So no, people will always say it's too gimmicky, but yeah, why, why not Yeah, dampen down every track, hose it down, t- 
10 minutes before a, a race start and go, right, you're starting on intermediates, up to you to judge when it's good for, for slicks. And that, that would liven up Hungaro Ring, Monaco, Zandvoort, but they'll not do it. Listen, I would ra- way rather have this than a sprint race weekend, A. So if we're talking gimmicks, Gim- this yeah, would be my preferred a gimmick, one. Isn't it? And B, it's, it's definitely not a one-for-one one thing. I, I realize and understand this, but they do this in golf a little bit where they're able to kind of manipulate a course to play how they want to play by either mm-hmm. watering it or not watering it. So what if we just took a page from, from the geniuses of the golf universe? That, that fella. And, the fella and who apply this to F1. All the satellites in the sky, that fella, old musky boy. Musky baby, he can. I'm sure he can <laughs> dangle and drop some stuff there to make it to make it rain. Right, yeah. we'll, we'll get on this behind the scenes and we'll make it happen. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. Let's get into some team specific stuff. And I want to start with Ferrari. They had another tough weekend. They looked pretty off from free practices into qualifying with Charles's crash in Q3. We got this iconic image of him in a deck chair, which I would like to discuss. We also got an image of Logan Sargent in a deck chair sitting around turn eight after his crash on Sunday. So lots of just uh, wonderful images of F1 drivers chilling out this weekend. But then Charles also got damaged in the Grand Prix and had to retire the car. And before that, he was basically fighting for around P15 for a number of laps there. So that was maybe a kindness that he had to retire the car. Carlos did a little bit better. He held off Lewis and Lando, ended up finishing fifth on Sunday, and they had some some pretty good battles there after the restart. He managed to kind of maintain his reputation also as a good driver in wet conditions, which is, you know, a nice little pat on the back for him. But the vibes overall seem bad, especially around Charles. And they're going into Monza in less than a week. So lots of pressure going on, lots of pressure on them to figure something out. What do you expect from them in Monza and what did you think of them this weekend? I expect nothing from Ferrari, I'm afraid. Uh, Firstly, firstly, yeah, it's um, deck chair heavy, isn't it? I I am team hammock, just so you know. And I've actually, I've got two hammocks. So we're a two hammock family. I am am boasting. I'm obviously boasting. (laughs) I have a follow-up for you. Okay, okay, okay. Are these hammocks that you have to tie to a tree or do you have poles for the hammocks? <laughs> yeah, most of our holidays is finding palm trees to attach the... No, 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 no. <laughs> they, they come with stands, right? And and I, I, we put them on a trolley and we bring them in our beach trolley to the beach and we set up wow. hammocks on the beach. People are very je- jealous. But I've got a feeling we should mm. get back to Ferrari. I've done us a, I've done us a mercy and I've, I've pulled the, car, the F1 chat over and retired it just like Leclerc should have done. That was sad watching that. I'm surprised they left him out as long, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, Signs looked okay. He looked really racy and he probably looked the better of the two, two drivers this weekend. He looked solid, whereas Leclerc, you know, he had his, his crash. Oh my goodness, though. It, he crashed in Q3. How many times did they go off at turn one? I'm actually surprised it took them until Q3 to eat wall. Like that car mm-hmm. just looked fundamentally undrivable in, yeah, in, into conditions. But no one else was just sticking it in the wall and going off on. We we could have renamed that bit of track like Ferrari Avenue to Fossi <laughs> La- to Fossi Lane, <laughs> yeah, Marinello Boulevard. But yeah, it, the car <laughs> the car looked undrivable. And in those situations, I think it probably makes sense that yeah, you would think that Leclerc is would get frustrated, overdrive it, be the one to put it in the wall. So if I tell you, yeah, it's into conditions, the Ferrari's undrivable. One of the Ferrari drivers has just crashed it in qualifying. Everyone will say, oh, 
Leclerc. That'll be Leclerc. Yep. And that, you know, in perfect conditions, you know, he probably is out and out faster. But Signs looked solid, but he looked solid in a bad outfit. And they the whole outfit's just gone backwards. Yeah, the tires not being ready at the pit stop is just rain was forecast. It wasn't yeah. magic rain that teleported there. You would think all the teams would have like, well, were they really sitting there going, ah, well, we'll, we'll get the inters if, if they're needed. And like when right. cars started coming into the pit lane, did, did they not, did they not go, oh, we should have, like, it's the whole thing, that's a shambles. The car doesn't seem like it's gone in, in the right direction. So I'm expecting nothing from them and I'm sort of writing them off for, for their home Grand Prix. It's not going to be, it's not going to be happy times, but I mean, there's nothing really positive. I'm looking for the positive, but where does it even go? Ah, here's the positive. They've mm. been. They've said that 2024. They're basically starting again and scrapping it <laughs> and going for a new concept. And Leclerc's comment was something like, "Yeah, I'm pleased. Good. I'm pleased to hear that. And I'll make the best of what we got now." But everyone's heads are down, and it doesn't look like a happy place to be. Yeah, my positive would be that there's only what nine races left in this season. Only nine more weekends where they have to have to go out and do this. Yeah, um, that's bad. That is what only one. Of Monza, and that'll be over pretty soon. So if they can get through this next week, then uh, yeah. at least they won't have to face people in Italy for a while. Especially like a weekend like this, where where it was it, it was a real real opportunity, and I'm sure we're, we're going to get to the the front end of of the podium soon. But it was a real opportunity. So the teams we've talked about so far, Ferrari and Mercedes, they will be absolutely kicking themselves. So Ferrari could have got a cheap one. You know, they could have got a cheap podium today if everything had just kind of been put together a little bit better over the weekend. Mercedes will know they've they've thrown away potentially a, a, a double podium, you know. They but they've got the car, so Mercedes will be slightly less upset because they they seem to have the car. Looking at the lap times, and I will say to people, it is worth it. Go and get the F1 live timing. Have it up on a little screen next to you on the Grand Prix because you you really see things unfold in real time. So you when you suddenly see uh, you know Perez on uh, throwing up purples. And you go, oh, blimey, that, ooh, that's not just purple. That's like uber purple. You know, when, <laughs> when you go, what? Well, everyone now needs to be going on to Inters. Really does enhance your performance of that, your enjoyment of that. But you could also see in real time how the, the hards tactic of putting Russell on the hards to go towards the end. I mean, I couldn't believe it when they did that. Like, mm-hmm. As soon as they put him on the hards, my best theory was that he'd had a fight with the Mercedes strategist, and this is this was his way of like hurting Russell because <laughs> and and it did like you saw on the, it looked kind of strong. He was getting into the fifteens, and you go, oh yeah, it was looking maybe he can keep this up. And then the guys changed onto the new softs, and actually that's thirteens and fourteens, and then and then suddenly you just see Russell's pace disappear, disappear, disappear. And so like yeah, we've we've covered how Mercedes you know blew it with with Hamilton, blew it with Russell. And at a time where it was wide open today, those two outfits will be going, my goodness, we really, we really left a lot on the table. Yeah. Maybe George's engineer wasn't too happy with his uh, spicy radio message at the start uh, when he was down, I I think running around P18 or somewhere around there. And he was pretty upset that he was, quote, forecast to be in the podium and then asking how the hell they let this happen. Um, We got one fun question on, on Twitter. What would be a better debrief to be a fly on the wall for this weekend, Mercedes or Ferrari? What Ferrari, do you think? Ferrari is just a, a bunch of people, professionals, hardworking professionals sitting in a room 
but somehow it's raining on the inside of that room and also the room <laughs> is sloped so everyone's kind of uncomfortably shuffling in their chair not try, trying not to fall down like the room has been built badly everyone is sad and then they go home so i don't want to be in that room i think the mercedes one i think they'll be desperately trying to keep their their heads high and 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 just picking apart you know what did they do wrong with the strategy but yeah sorry it was a bit complainy wasn't it with with russell going oh what have we done there, guys? Mm-hmm. But then when you speak mm-hmm. to him afterwards, he sort of said, well, no, it was, I thought we could stay out as well. So like, I think that decision was kind of made together. But, you know, the drivers had a real big input all up and down the pit lane, if you listen to some of the yeah. team radios, about when they came in. So Mercedes wanted them all to stay out. Hamilton was like, put his foot down in the end. No, we're on the wrong tire. So I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be in either of those rooms, but I'd rather be in the Mercedes. Yeah, I think Mercedes would be more interesting. Ferrari just seems like it would be depressing. Sad. Might need a yeah. Xanax or something after being in that room. This episode is brought to you by Armorall. When you want the best for your car, preparation is everything. That's why teams like Oracle Red Bull Racing use Armorall to prep their team vehicles. From interior cleaning and protectant wipes to car wash and wheel and tire cleaner, Armorall, America's number one trusted auto appearance brand, has what it takes to keep the two-time defending champions looking their best inside and out. And get this, now through May 31st, you can get $5 back when you spend $20 prepping your car like the Oracle Red Bull Racing Team. All you have to do is upload your receipt to Armorall's website after you buy. Visit armorall.com for program details and redemption. Terms apply. Armorall, chosen by champions. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Can we get to the happy end of the grid now? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Should we talk about the podium finishers? I feel like there's a... Some some intriguing stuff with uh, Fernando Alonso being back back in the podium. It's I felt like after the summer break, I was fully expecting Aston Martin to just just fall off a cliff and can continue the sort of downward descent that they've had for the last couple of months. And, and granted, this was a funky race with all of the strategy and wet weather, but Fernando just seems like in these kinds of uncertain conditions, he can just grab a hold of things and and push his way through to the top. And then we have this very, very funny Pierre Gasly 
radio message when he learned that he got P3 because of Checo's penalty and he just screamed in the radio and then screamed during his post-race He's interview. He's done that before. He's it done was, that before. It uh, was very fun for him. He seemed seemed very excited. Go go and listen to Pierre Gasly, Team Radio, Monza. When did he win in Monza? Was that 2021? I think it might have been 2021. I don't know. But when, yeah. he, won, when he won a Grand Prix at Monza... He, that he was 10 times that over the team radio. It was just white noise by, by the end of that radio transmission. Um, yeah, I've got a lot of time for Pierre, Pierre Gasly. He's, he's looking, you know, he's not wiping the floor with Ocon, but he's, he's looking like the number one driver out yes. of that, that outfit. He's really good when it comes to, you know, to just being super racy and hunting down a position. And, and they got the rub of the green. So they, were, they got the tactics right at the beginning. And, you know, weather, weather isn't some, some definite thing. Like, it could have just abated really quickly. And then, and then yeah. the, guy, the people who had gone on inters would suddenly have had to go back to softs without really having gained any benefit. And it didn't work out like that. So I, it feel, felt like that was the choice I would have made from my sofa when it started raining was just get on the inters now and we'll deal with it. And, and they made that choice. And it was the mm-hmm. correct decision. So they've benefited mostly from that position, from from that uh, decision, and and so is Alonso, to be fair. But then you've got to be the kind of character to put the performance in to hold on to that. So that's not a given. So you know, Perez had every opportunity to also benefit from that situation. I can't remember where he was on the grid, but it was quite far back, roared out into the lead, and then mm-hmm. and then he even before the red flag, he'd given away second place by having a spin. So you've had that spin goes to pit, hit the, hit the pit lane on entry, damaged yep. the front wing, then locked up whilst doing that so that he was then over the pit lane speed limit by the time he got into the pit lane, gets a five-second penalty, and then loses another place from that five-second penalty to, to Gasly. So mm-hmm. it's not enough completely just to have had the quote-unquote luck of the draw on that first decision. You've, you've then got to bring it home. And if you look at Alonso and Gasly, both of them really brought it home. And you would bet on them to bring it home. If you were suddenly like you're a team manager, you're in that position and you get to pick any of the midfield drivers to, to be in that position. I think nearly everyone is going for Gasly or Alonso, you know, over Ocon, over Stroll, you know. So I, I think like that is not a fluke that those two have ended up in that position. They've they've had a great strategy. They've absolutely driven the rear end off it and 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 brought it home. So Gasly's task there to stay in touch with those front two. It was just magnificent. I think that is that's the performance of a top top driver. And I don't think every single driver on the grid is in that position in those conditions and hangs on for the podium. So that was a that was blimmin' brilliant. That I agree, and and it's fun to see him kind of start to emerge from the early season chaos that was Alpine and Ooh. the mid-season chaos that was Alpine with, you know, a number of changes up top, new team principal, new executives above the team principal. And, and, you know, just kind of a horrible car to start the year where they thought that they would be fighting with Aston Martin up there, you know, and Ferrari and Mercedes. And they're, you know, fighting with the back of the grid instead. And for him to get this result, I think is going to be huge for him, huge for the team, of course. And I also got a, a question from a friend. Who on the grid would have less chill about a podium than Pierre? 
<laughs> like 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 who who would be even more over the top than him about getting a podium? I love it. I love it though. Can we can we agree it's like a positive? Like I want Oh yeah, to this see. is this is not a dig at him. I I was like it was so fun to hear how excited he was over the radio. It's you know, it gets kind of rote when you have Max being like, "Yeah, great job team. This was wonderful. Way to go." And you know, not even really caring if Lando Norris breaks his trophy. You you want them you want them to be living your dreams as well, like because mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but I would definitely have been a Formula One driver if I'd had money, contacts, talent, commitment, fitness, mm. <laughs> and just a general positive attitude. But like that's the that is like a, yeah, definitely a day, yeah that's my my day a daydream, and I still have mm-hmm. daydreams that if I won a mega lottery, I could somehow buy a team and manufacture. Like ah, oh, we don't have any drivers available. Is there anyone here who could? Fine, <laughs> I'll do it. But then. At 42, he's got oh, that even that dream's dead now. So you mm. want you want our heroes to be really enjoying it. I want Gasly to be screaming into his helmet that he's he's picked up this podium. Sometimes you get the feeling that it's an it's ordinary. So there's some drivers, I'm not gonna sit and name it because I'm not trying to be negative, but who go to the podium and they look kind of like, nah, I'm I'm bored with this, or like they complain about a little something. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just all too cool and in their stride like they're doing something incredible that basically no one gets to do no one's an f driver so few people are an f1 driver that basically no one is if you get a podium you scream into your helmet you do what gasly did i don't want to see anyone (laughs) bored on any f1 podium so yeah i absolutely love that so who would have less chill uh than that obviously we've seen uh yeah hamilton gets very emotional stuff like that fernando alonso you know, even doing his little chicken dance on his Renault. Mm-hmm, you know, that's mm-hmm, that's one mm-hmm. worth Googling as well. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a fair few of them who are like that, who you go, they are really feeling it. They're feeling it. Leclerc, he, he, he's, he's one as well. I think if he started winning more, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd see a lot more emotion from him. I think my pick would be, because I'm, I'm thinking like pure emotion like like someone who this is is is, it's very rare that this is going to happen don't know when it's going to happen again really need to to take in all the moment and i think uh alex albon might might put on a good show if if he got a williams into the podium i've seen albon get a podium and look bored and just complain about the trophy and that is when he got a podium in the french grand prix and it was the gorillas and he literally was just sat there holding it going why did my podium have to be with the rubbish trophy so i'm not sure (laughs) I will push back slightly on that, but maybe it'll mean more uh, when he gets one with Williams. Definitely next year. Definitely. Definitely. Let's lock that in. Let's lock that in. Spanner says, Albon and Williams podium next year. I, I I'm happy to open my heart up again to disappointment with Williams. I like Williams enough that I, I'll let myself believe and be disappointed. But hey, why, why can't they join Alpine, Aston Martin at some point? I don't, I don't think there's any reason they, they can't. I would love to see it. It seems like they are on the right trajectory and it seems like they are working as a unit together, which is encouraging considering how they've looked in recent years. I have hope. I really do have I, hope I for them. Can, can I add a, a caution to it? Like, because <laughs> yeah. every single Friday, you know, they seem to like pop up and every Friday <laughs> someone goes, is this Williams pace genuine? Could they could they genuinely be, you know, one of the, the top three, top four teams? It's like, you've got to moderate that. Like at the moment, if they are on pace running above the, the two Ferrari customers and Alpha Towery, that is a massive victory right now. Consolidate that position and then just do, do the functional things well. Do the, every small step correctly and just work through your weekend well and just and know where you are. 
you know. And, and, and this is a great weekend where, yes, the, the changeable conditions allowed that to really show the track evolution on Saturday was crazy. So really being yes. functionally good, you know, gave you a, a big, big reward. And then, you know, and then Gasly and Alonso with that right strategy call just, you know, really dragged those midfield kick, uh, cars up up to the front with with great performances. But not every weekend is going to allow that. So, you know, a, a dry night race at Singapore isn't going mm-hmm. to give you those opportunities, nor is a, a dry Monza. So, oh, actually, Monza might be okay for Williams because, you know, they, they might just turn up with, you know, they might just take the front wing and the rear wing off and just and just run just run without wings at Monza. But in general, you know, this, this was a, a great race and a great set of conditions because it allowed people to come through and shine. And so often in Formula One, it's down to what raw performance did they build in the engineering room? But it's mm-hmm. races like this where you go, okay, well, now the team, from a sporting point of view, the team, the strategists, the drivers, they really have an opportunity to, to shine and have good days. And you go, Williams and Albon had a great weekend. Alonso and, uh, and Aston Martin, uh, they pulled a blinder. Gasly looked incredible with Alpine. So that's great. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would temper people to not now expect Monza, uh, Monza to see an Alonso podium in the dry. You know, I, I don't think this is, this is a, a spike and I would need to see this as a trend before I say, ah, their summer upgrades have put them back up in the top three. Because I think the order to me now is, is fairly clear. You've got, you've got uh, half of Red Bull out in front and then you've got, I think Mercedes look like clearly, clearly the second car. And it's, you know, I'm no expert, but you're teasing, you're looking at, um, you're looking at the body language of the Mercedes team, what they're saying, you're looking at sector times. You know, you're looking at the performance, not results. And it, it looks mm-hmm. clear like the, the Mercedes are now solidly second. Ferrari are just clinging on in third, but falling into the clutches of the midfield. And then in the midfield, you know, you've got such differences in approaches in the midfield that you're going to get some tracks that pop up an Alpine, that pop up an Aston. So I would say just look for, the, look for the trend and don't kind of go, oh, Alpine's back now. Although, you know, if you're a Fernando Alonso fan, why not have some hope? No fun. I'm saying Williams is Sorry. back. <laughs> Williams I'm all is in. back, baby. I'm all in. Let's get on the Alex Albon train now. Yeah, I want Actually, to. Actually, I've I been on to. the Alex Albon train. I, it's a very, been a very fun ride this season, I will say. Do you like, um, I was having a discussion actually with some people about the, the there's like a mini rat pack that came through together, isn't there? Which is like mm-hmm. uh, Albon and Norris and Russell and kind of Verstappen. Yep on the fringe of that as well, because they do all their, their sim racing together. And mm-hmm. they're all like super pally and friendly with each other. That like that almost makes me like them less. I don't know what like like they're lovely young men at the top of their at the top <laughs> of their profession and they get on well with each other, which is emotionally healthy. But I so I don't want it. And with Russell and Norris coming together and that ruining Russell's race today, I'm like, oh, can we finally see a rift in the rat pack? Even uh, the commentators were kind of talking about this before the race. They were acknowledging, oh, yeah, you know, they're they're great friends. I don't know if you saw that selfie that no, Alex, no. George and Lando took. I think it was after qualifying yesterday or that's when Williams posted it. And it was sort of like the view from Max Verstappen's mirrors tomorrow. And it was just the three of them <laughs> lined up behind him. But the broadcast was talking about their friendship and whatever. And they're like, yeah, but once they get on track, they're just as big of competitors as everybody else. And I was like, I hope so. I hope so. I'm not sure. You see, sometimes it feels like I'm watching, you know, some lads on a bachelor party or, you know, on a stag, (laughs) on a stag do. And you go, okay, well, we could do with a little more professional needle because, but 
someone will point out and they'll be right. Isn't it lovely that they all get along? It's true. It's true. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about from this weekend is the very sad for me personally, Daniel Ricardo news. Um, if you haven't already heard, Daniel Ricardo crashed during FP2. He had a turn three accident. He was turning into a blind corner, lost his grip a little bit. And he said afterward that his options were either to crash into the wall, which he did, or to basically run into Oscar Piastri, who had had an issue at that corner just before him. So he went into the wall. It seemed rather innocuous at the time. He went in fairly slowly and it seemed like a, you know, not too serious angle, but it seems like he held onto the steering wheel while during the accident to try and avoid Piastri. And that was sort of what twisted his wrist and broke it in the process. He is currently in Barcelona, either being evaluated or currently having surgery on the wrist. He's had it. He's, he's had it. I'm who told, operated yeah. on Lance Stroll before the season. Um, and we all know that Stroll came back, I think, much quicker than anyone was expecting and managed to somehow race with pins in both of his wrists, which is still miraculous and marvelous. Um, and Christian Horner said that he is imagining Daniel is likely aiming for a return during Singapore, which is in, in about three weeks' time. And, you know, he would he put a lot of qualifications Ooh, on that yeah, depending on what the injury mm. actually is and the timeline that he's able to get from the surgeon and recovery. But uh, what did you make of, of that incident? What do you mm. make of how it will impact his future in the Red Bull ecosystem yeah. this but season? It's, it's unfortunate timing. Yeah, it's the metacarpal. So it's um, from your punching knuckles, uh, in between your punching knuckles and your wrist. It's that kind of, it's that, that bone there. And, and, and um, oh, one of my, my lads uh, told me that, that they said he'd been operated on. So they've done the, the mm. surgery. Three, three weeks sounds very, very optimistic for any break. And yes. uh, I've, 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 I've unfortunately, you know, I've, I've, I've experienced a fair few breaks and I don't know many of them that have, have healed up by, you know, uh, two or three weeks time. But, you know, MotoGP and Superbike guys are sitting there laughing at him, saying, just rub some dirt in it, lad. Rub some dirt <laughs> in it and carry on. You know, those guys, they'll just stick a plaster cast on and just and just keep going. Uh, it's obviously your hands are so vital to it that, yeah, you're probably going to want to rest that. And mm -hmm. if he hurries back, I, I wonder if part of that will be motivated by, oh, Lawson's doing fine. Uh, I'd right. best, I'd best get back in the seat. How's that hand doing, Daniel? Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Okay. Can you just <laughs> hold this for us to prove the strength? And he's there going, nah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Put me back in the car. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that's a factor. I don't know what he's been told because we don't know. He could be told you're driving a Red Bull next season. He could already have been told that we don't know. And therefore right. he doesn't need to rush back or he could be told you're in direct competition with Sonoda, Lawson and and yourself and Perez for, for these various seats and one of you is going to miss out, in which case it's the worst case scenario. But that's all internal politics and we don't know. Uh, but it was interesting watching the onboard because his natural line was going to take him straight into Piastri. And mm. it's something that I've said to my boy, Karting, and I've had this confirmed because I did ask professional drivers if I'd given good advice, which was if you can choose between a car and a barrier, hit the barrier. Because the barrier mm. is designed to be hit as you're racing along, sure. uh, a lot of accidents, the really bad ones in karting and car racing, it's car on car. And especially yep. car on stationary car is, mm -hmm. is the one where everything goes wrong. You know, when we've had accidents and, and people being knocked unconscious at our karting events, it has always been from that kind of scenario of a car moving at speed, uh, a stationary car. So if you can aim to hit the barrier, it's 
it's, I think it, uh, I'm, I'm best. I'm getting. I'm guessing it's something more instinctive to the guys who've been racing for a really, really long time. So he'll have seen the car mm-hmm. and he'll have held on to make sure it goes in the barrier. But yeah, those things you can choose the amount of feedback strength in your wheel in Formula One. Um, and if you've got a sim rig, you'll you'll know if you hit the wall, it will kick in your hands. And he's mm-hmm. just been he's been really unlucky there. He's, he's done all the right things. Um, I know there's some people who said, well, he did go through a couple of yellow flags. So as you turn. Uh, swing round turn two there's a yellow flag there was a yellow flag marker right in front of him but my goodness mm-hmm. I never know how they see those boards right. and like, it feels like they should be ten times more I've got a video actually somewhere of me failing to see red flags on a cart track <laughs> for half the lap and and, and, and uh, I only I only uh, saw it when I saw the accident ahead of me and then I, and I braked and I went oh good there should have been red flags it's ridiculous and I looked back at the head cam the GoPro and there was red flags all the way around. So very, very difficult to see. All happens really quickly. And it's just sport. It's just one of those things. It's unlucky. And uh, yeah, we'd be guessing to say how it's affecting his career. But um, yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully not and you're, And you're right, too, because not only was, you know, it happened very, very quickly mm. before Daniel was getting to that corner. It's also a blind corner. So not yeah. only can you very easily miss the yellow flag? It's not like you could see Piastri's car no. from very far away before he was turning into the corner. So mm. very unlucky all the way around. Uh, but that leads to the debut of Liam Lawson, who is on track this weekend in a reserve role, expected to be in a reserve role, and then got thrust into action. I believe his first one, first practice was FP3. So he got one practice session, a rainy qualifying, and a rainy race weekend. Um, and I think he did very well. You know, he only qualified in 20th, but what could you expect from someone who has not driven this car other than one free practice in messy conditions? And then during a very challenging day with wet weather conditions and a lot of strategy decisions that I'm sure he had to weigh in on, he managed to finish P14 and I, I came away fairly impressed. I got to say. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. I, uh, I think people would like to see, you know, they see, oh, it w- could a Lewis Hamilton come in, Lewis Hamilton style entry into F1 and suddenly look amazing against the two-time champ. And so in that situation where you go, well, Lewis Hamilton had a lot of preseason testing. They had more testing than they have, you know, these days. So they're prepared. So at the beginning of a season, yeah, maybe, because then, then you've done all that sim work leading up to it. But when you see the rookies come in, just to do an FP1 session, like who was, I've uh, forgotten who came in for, was it Schwartzman? Came in for Carlos Sainz in FP1. Yeah. You know, he, right, was a, yep. he was a long way off the pace. And you go, well, they're not going to give him out and out qualifying laps to do. They're going to give him some aero work. But even then he seemed slow. Paul DeResta jumped in for Williams to do a substitute lap a while back. And even though he'd been a recent F1 driver, he was still well off the, the pace. You think, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's not getting a practice session, but... You'd think, well, he's, but he was an F1 driver like the previous season, but he's still coming and he's getting into a brand new machinery. These are prototypes. They're different every time. He, he couldn't get anywhere near where he was relatively to the rest of the field. Uh, the only time I've seen someone jump in and look great was Hulkenberg, but he's never really mm. had a big breakout. And that was in comparison to Lance Stroll. So maybe just not the highest, highest bar. I'm just wondering whether it is possible, like, you know, even technically possible for someone to jump in as a last minute substitute and be able to be up to pace. There might just be too much yeah. to learn, too much to get your, your head around. So given that it was a good performance, technically ends up ahead of Sonoda because Sonoda went off just before the red flag, I think. So I was watching the lap times 
and the lap times were were off. Correct me if I'm wrong, anyone who is watching the lap chart better than me, but he did seem in like-for-like stints. He just seemed that little step off. And let's see if that comes down when it's Monza, when it's dry. It's not his very first time in a Grand Prix car. It's not his very first time in that machinery on those tyres. And he has a full Friday. It's not a stupid sprint weekend, is it? Ooh, I don't think he is. I don't think he is. But he'll have FP1, so. FP2, get to go to bed, you know, wake up, have your porridge, have another practice session and then go into quali and, um, and then go into the race. I think this was the hardest possible scenario he could have come into F1 with. So whilst not judging, pace-wise, it wasn't there, I don't think. But I don't think you could expect it to be there. So I, right. I let's see how it goes with Monza. And if I reckon if he does well at Monza, you've got to put him in at Singapore as well. Don't rush Ricardo back in. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I actually misspoke. He has finished P13, not P14. So even better than I had thought <laughs> previously. <laughs> um, but I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm very encouraged by this performance. I think it was the best that we could have expected from somebody who's thrown in last yeah. minute and has to figure out how to operate this F1 car on the fly in the rain and the dry and the intermediate. And I'm, I'm very excited to see what he has going on. And I think that will open up a lot of the conversations going forward about what Red Bull and AlphaTauri are going to do next season. And I think we can have more informed conversations about that once we've seen no, him behind guess. the wheel another couple of times. Go, go we, then, could, we could wildly speculate right now if you want to, but I, I, I would love to have that conversation uh, after Monza and or Singapore because but I think... If I- if we that is when now. a lot of this, the <laughs> stuff will start coming up for next year. If we had to guess now, though, okay, let's make a wild guess. I'm going to say <laughs> yeah, Perez out, Ricardo in. I just feel like they've been doing the Ricardo dance. And the mm-hmm. second that he was available, I think it's been that's been the, the plan is, is yep. get him in, get him in. And then I guess Sonoda and Lawson. And uh, I think where it's does just, that leave Checo? I think, I don't know, I think that he'll just be probably paid to, to you know, to have a, a Raikkonen season. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I hope for his sake that doesn't happen, but those driver pairings would be very fun. I would be fascinated by both of them, if I'm honest. Um, anything else that you want to hit before we head out? I'm, I'm just, I'm just glad. I'm just, like, like I said at the beginning, I'm just glad it's been something really entertaining and I'm just... I'm scared of losing all my new F1 friends from from the last couple of seasons. And I'm really hoping you guys are, you know, are able to find the intrigue in the midfield because there's there's a lot of great battles in the midfield at the moment. And um, so, you know, for going forward for the season now, it's can Mercedes get their act together to make the best of what looks like a, a real good step in the right direction? What is that Ferrari Melees? And with those two not always firing on all cylinders, there is going to be room for results for Aston Martin, for Alpine. Now you've got Williams getting there in the mix and and just... McLaren uh, too. Oh yeah, I forgot about McLaren. But you know what? McLaren annoy me. Can I... <laughs> because so <laughs> McLaren were another team here that were in the no man's land. So the absolute yep. worst case scenario you could have done today was go, oh, I reckon we'll stay out. Oh, that was the wrong decision. Now let's go on to the Inters. So they yeah. ended up getting dumped uh, down the track with the Mercedes as well, down the order. And they look pretty mm-hmm. good. Like both their drivers were driving well, but they keep, they seem to 
re- be be much better on a on a on a Saturday. And I, and I wonder yes. how much of that is an active choice because I don't think it's that stupid a decision at Zandvoort. If you had a dry Zandvoort, then just out qualifying yourself and throwing it all at qualifying um, that that seems to to make sense. And that might make sense at Singapore as well. But there's not many tracks really where yeah where you can just park the bus. So I would like to see a little bit more of an evening up between their Saturday performance and their their Sunday performance, and then I can get behind it because at the moment. On a Saturday, they get me super excited. They get everyone super excited, and 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 they're basically hanging on on the Sunday. And if we want more consistent results, then you know the, the Sunday performance should come. But really, that upgrade is significant. They are they're definitely yes. there. They're they're up at the the up at the top of the midfield at the moment, probably aren't they on car performance? I completely forgot about McLaren when we were talking about our order our order earlier. I kind of did too, to be honest with you. But they're they're exciting, and we only have one week to wait before we see him again in Monza. So yeah, I that'll see be a fun one. If Piastri can start rattling Norris, because I think Norris has had it kind of not not easy, but you know he's been the king mm-hmm. over at McLaren there, and and you can be a number one driver, but when the the pretty new thing comes along, you know, and that is Piastri is looking like a, a very good looking race car driver, and. Yes. Uh, that could that could start becoming a problem for Lando Norris. It's very exciting. I'm eager to watch it. Thanks, Spanners, for joining. Thanks, as always, to Erica Cervantes for the production help. And thank you all for listening. This has been the Ringer F1 show, and we will be back very soon.